I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club. Yes, we've got another film review for you today. And I am once again joined by Callum, fan favourite as I like to call him. Everyone loves his reviews. He's back and we've got a series of reviews lined up that we're going to dive into. And today we have got the film The Trial of the Chicago 7, new on Netflix. There's a lot of big name actors in this. Caught my attention when I saw it, so we both thought we'd give this a watch and have a little chat about it. Big historical references in there, so I thought me and Callum will be the people to dive into that, seeing our historical background at university. So we will show you how well or how poorly we were educated at university with our lack of knowledge about the context of this. Callum, hello and welcome. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, hello. Um, good to be back, as yeah. always. Well, um, that's it. We've got a few good films lined up now for the uh, near future. And as we said on the last episode, plenty of opportunity to chat over the course of lockdown round two. So we'll be diving into them all. Um, as mentioned then about the uh, the historical links to this, are you feeling you're going to be able to bring a real historical eye to this from your background in the world of history? I hope so. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I always bring a his- some form of historical uh, uh, analysis to the to the, uh, the the persuasion. So. Well, exactly. I just wanted to make sure you were you were razor sharp and ready for this one. As after all, it is the retelling of a historical event, which slides us in nicely. Let's roll into straight away of what the plot is of this film, Callum. The Trial of the Chicago 7. Could you just give us a brief overview about what the film's about? Yeah, it's, it's set in the backdrop of uh, the 1968 Democratic uh, National Convention. Um, and it's essentially about... It's about a lot of things, but primarily it's about uh, campaigning against the uh, war in Vietnam. So, essentially, the film follows the story of the Chicago 7, who were um, a series of civil rights uh, figures and activists in the 1960s, uh, notably um, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, David Dillinger, uh, Tom Hayden, Rennie Davis, John Froines, um, and Lee Weiner. Um and it follows their story. They're charged by the U.S. federal government um, with conspiracy to incite a riot. Um, and it follows the story of the countercultural protests that were taking place in Chicago at that point. Um, it also uh, has Bobby Seale, who was also lumped in with the uh, Chicago 7, um, essentially just to try and delegitimize the Black Panther movement at the time. Um it's it follows the tension between nonviolence and violent protest that was present in the sixties. Um, it essentially it is the trial that's that the U.S. government pursued to try and sentence those seven individuals um, to federal prison for trying to incite a riot and actively disrupt um, the city of Chicago in the nineteen sixties. Um, it resulted in the uh, trial resulted in the five of the seven being convicted. Um, however they were all later acquitted of the conspiracy Um, the interesting thing about the film is that because it's set in the backdrop of the National Convention in 1968 um, it's set in the backdrop of Lyndon Johnson's policies on the Vietnam War Um, 
which were contested during the, the the primary campaign in the late 60s and it it the film starts with uh Bruce bringing into Nixon's presidency um and it's all about anti-war the countercultural movement civil rights movement or basically all the political um context of the late 60s early 70s the film set against the backdrop of that essentially giving a voice to the the um the chicago seven um and bobby seal for that matter um it's got members of the leaders of the students for democratic society leaders of the youth international party also known as the yippies it's basically a, a film all about um the student protests the political protests of the 60s um set against the backdrop of the vietnam war um it's based on a true story as well. This actually happened, as the uh, as most films like to say that are based on historical events. This is based on a true story, um, but yeah, that's essentially the uh, the nuts and bolts of the film, really. Uh, well, lovely, lovely yeah. overview. Thank you very much. And I just like to start by saying that historical element grabbed me straight away. Like two things about this mm. film in terms of the story, which appealed to me was firstly that fact of the area of history. Like I said at the beginning, you and I both studied history at university and one of the areas that I was a bit obsessed with was modern American politics. And this was right in the heart of that, like you said, in the 60s. It's Cold War era, but more specifically for this film, everyone involved at anti-Vietnam War protesters, campaigners, but in their own different ways. So from the historical perspective, it's an area that I was interested in, but it was great to see it kind of focused on to show all these different arms of the anti-Vietnam movement, but uh, represented by the groups and the individuals that headed them up. So you've got the very, uh, the more kind of political and um, like uh, character that's, um, what's he called, Eddie Redmayne's character. His character is more about doing it in a democratic way, trying to gain influence through policy. But then you've got Sasha Baron Cohen's character, who's part of the hippie movement. And you've got the uh, guy who's um, the non-violence protester. So you've got all these. And I think the characters and focusing on the individuals of the characters gives a real insight into what was a really broad issue at the time and breaks it down just from a historical perspective very nicely. And then also something that appealed to me about this film as well and a lot of people won't like this about it so this is i'm going to say straight away i think this film probably won't appeal to a lot of people if you don't like this style of film is there's not all that much action in it okay there's shots of when they're at the riot and things like that so that's as much action as you get in there but the main body of the film is the discussion the court case them throwing about legal debate throwing about policy debate throwing about ideas and things like that for me, that's perfect in a film. I always say my ideal film is where there's five people sat in one room all the way through just having a chat, just bringing a bit of text, a bit of conversation to life. Breakfast Club is the prime example of that. So for me, this appealed because it was so heavy on the how the actors portrayed themselves, how they delivered the script. So I thought from the story as a whole, yes, there wasn't much action, so there wasn't much high drama, but I think that kind of drama in the sense of the delivery of the arguments and things for me was really compelling and uh, got me in from the beginning what did you think of it as a, a story just as a film forgetting the historical context did it grab you and was it a very watchable film from your point of view yeah definitely i mean building on what you said there about the um the 
the text and the the, the discussion. It was it, essentially it was a courtroom drama, wasn't it? Um, but the thing that I loved about it was um, it wasn't didn't really follow the traditional narrative of a a courtroom drama. Obviously, it was a very similar. It was a very serious tone at parts, but I think the the characters, because the characters and the the people involved in the trial were all so different um, from different backgrounds as well. It's it was nice to see how their humor and their carrot and their, how their um how their characters played off against one another. Like uh, Abby Hoffman, played by Sasha Baron Cohen, is a really uh, excellent example of that. You know when he dresses up in the judge's robes and then he's asked to take them off and then he's wearing the Chicago police uniform underneath. And so there's that. And then there's um, Tom Hayden uh, played by Eddie Redmayne, who is very, is very uh, obsessed with the idea of achieving change through election and achieving change through policy. Um, And I think the way that the, the script emphasized those uh, differences in, uh, process to achieve equality was um, really really effective that's that's what that's what grabbed me about it the the differences in, in approach more than anything um, in how the script uh delivered those differences i thought was quite effective what do you think of it in terms of the kind of court drama genre okay it wasn't like a cheesy court drama in that sense but it did follow the archetype of a classic court case in a film in the sense that you are handed the underdog you are given a lot of reasons to support the underdog and then eventually the underdog comes through and you feel good about yourself I mean I like that it's great but for me I don't think it really broke any boundaries or really you know pushed anything it was like here's the issue here's the blueprint for the type of film let's put them together do it really well and I'm not criticizing it saying that they didn't do it well because it was fascinating and it grabbed me but it was just kind of like okay it was a uh almost painting by numbers film in the sense of this is the style we're going to do it in this is the subject matter we'll do it well there's your film I think what do you think about that yeah that's it's interesting you say that um I do think if 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 Aaron Sorkin had been any more it had been really experimental with how the courtroom drama was presented to the audience i think it would have lost the content of the court case would have lost its message i mean the whole point of the film is to highlight the injustices that were that were present in the in the, in the late 60s and i think by um deviating away from that sort of paint by numbers courtroom uh, drama format it would have taken it would have i think it would have taken away the meaning of what he wanted to achieve like the purpose of the film was to, um, you know, give a voice to the people who didn't have one in the in the late sixties. I suppose. Um, I mean, the 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 historic um, event of when Bobby Seale was gagged and bound to stop him from speaking up for himself. I think would have um, not been as powerful if the if the uh, the the mechanics of the film were experimented with if, if that sure. makes sense like i think um it yeah i get what you're its, saying it's power saying. yeah yeah because no i know what you mean and i i was thinking that when i was going over that point in the sense that the point of the film is the issue and this is kind of what i was saying at the beginning is why i liked it because mm. it was here's the topic and it was exploring a historical issue and the power of it was through the performance the delivery the writing and the exploration of of that um, event 
nonetheless, though, from a film point of view, I was I just thought, okay, I'm not necessarily saying it should be done in another way. It just didn't offer all that much to someone who wasn't all that interested in that or would get a lot out of that genre. It's very specific. So if you're into that and you think you'll get something out of it and you like the emotive genre, yes, great. But it didn't really go beyond that or challenge that genre so much. There's countless films that have taken big issues and rightly so and done it in that style. And I'm always intrigued to think, is there another way that you could play around with that? Because I suppose you could put that argument forward for anyone that's tackling a big issue going, well, the issue was bigger than the film and we need to make sure that shines through. Fantastic. But is there someone really going to step up and go, actually, we might be able to put focus on this in a different way? I don't know. I just kind of think that, yeah, it was done really well, but was there another way of approaching it? Anyway, I could labor that point all day. There's a lot of big characters in this. I want to go over that. And this does really tie into the history of it, but the characters are focused on. And I think because there are such big characters, that's why you've got such big name um, actors in there. I wouldn't even mention that um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in it as well. Like He's yeah. one of my favourite actors. Um, and he's um, the defence attorney. Is that the right phrase? No, he's sorry, the, the, prosecutor. the prosecution. Oh, yeah. I nearly had it then, didn't I? He's the prosecution, <laughs> isn't it? Um so you've got these big actors, you've got these big characters. And as I said earlier, what I like about that's done there is these characters, these individuals represent the movement as a whole, which is a huge movement or a huge event. It's the Vietnam War. It's the anti-Vietnam War movement of the time. Obviously, it was so fractured in different areas. But by honing in on this one court case, on these individual characters that are so rich, is it allows you to see the wide breadth of that issue, but just see it through these characters. What stood out for you in terms of how the characters were displayed? And you, do you think that did justice to the message of the film that it was trying to put across? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the whole, the, the power of the film is the fact you've got all these characters from different wings of the civil rights movement, which I think it really sort of ties it together. I mean, you've got Tom Hayden, who's um, what I suppose would be called a, um, a, a liberal, a member of the liberal elite, maybe yeah. the liberal educated yeah. elite, perhaps. Um, and then you've got uh, Abby Hoffman and um, Jerry Rubin, who are you know part of the hippie movement. But then you've got David Dillinger, who represents, um, I suppose, the suburban American suburban America that wants to see a, a change. Um, and then of course you've got um, Bobby Seal as well, who was part of the Black Panther movement. So I think yep. the collection of different faces of the same movement towards equality, I think really sort of ties the film together and brings it together and also highlights the fact that the movement to achieve equality wasn't the work of just one person or yeah, one yeah. organization. It was a it was a collection of different uh people that all believed in the same thing. They just dis they just I suppose they disagreed with the means in which uh, those people can achieve change. I mean, running through the whole thread of the film is this tension between non-violence and violent protest. That's the whole tension. And um, Tom Hayden's uh, at the end, the play by Eddie Redmayne, says towards the end that um, when the, when history remembers us or something, the uh, they're going to remember the you just handing out daisies to soldiers, not actually achieving change. Like to achieve change, you have to. Um, 
be successful in elections. So he's very much a sort of pragmatic approach, whereas Abby Hoffman is much more of the cultural revolution, um, I suppose. Um, I suppose the thing that really sort of ties it together in terms of the characters as well is there's um, a moment when the US attorney is presenting the case to um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and they refer to the Rap Brown Law, which was um, a law created to say that if you cross a state line to incite violence, it becomes a federal crime. Um, and that's what they're trying to sort of prosecute the characters for. Yeah. Um, but historically, the Rap Brown case, as is said in the film, it was passed by Southern whites to limit the free speech of civil rights activists. That was the purpose of it. Um and by having all these different characters, by ha- from all these different wings of the civil rights movement, um, it's a film about how you can exercise your right to free speech, and that is constantly undermined throughout the entire film. And all the characters disagree how that free speech should be expressed. Um, Bobby Seale repeatedly stands up in front of, in in the courtroom and and demands that he cross reference. Um, cross-examine witnesses because he's not he's not represented by a lawyer um but then you've got david dillinger who um wants to sort of remain seated and remain keep his cool and you know respect the institution of of law respect the the institution of the courtroom whereas then you've got abby hoffman who is a complete uh rejection of uh the mechanics of the state um and i think that's a tension that historically existed in the civil rights movement um and the way Sorkin has brought those characters together, and the casting is 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 really good for it as well. I mean, Mark Rylance playing the defense um, attorney is is really really good. Um, and then you've got sort of Sasha Baron Cohen playing this hippie cultural revolutionary. I think the casting works to sort of play out those um, that tension of how to exercise free speech. It's blending historical uh, narrative with um, with some, I think, really. It's quite effective filmmaking. Um, that's what stood out for me. That was a long-winded standout. <laughs> but it's no, I, I know what you mean. Um, and my concern, or the concern would be with such casting, is that you are throwing a lot of big names at something which is quite a serious discussion point and just turning it into a kind of Hollywood drama with, oh, here's some big names, go check it out. But I genuinely think it works... And I think the performances are great just on a very simple basis of the acting is that I do think they capture the characters really well. And like I said, the characters are the windows to the historical movements. And to understand the film and understand what it's going on about, you need to understand those movements. So these individual characters are great at doing that. But I also, you know, I get what you mean in the way that uh, these characters do kind of, you know, represent the, the wider themes well. And what I would say is what I thought was interesting you said there about um, the battle against violent, non-violent, but then also the idea of they were all trying to find ways to express free speech, but they weren't sure how exactly they wanted to do that together. The point was that the government were trying to put them together, but they weren't together. By putting them together, they did in the end make them... um, be together and have a kind of joint voice by the end of it but one that shows how messy and tricky a kind of 
a counter protest is and that's really pertinent especially now and it will always be pertinent because there'll always be a case of you know kind of big state or government suppression or someone going against it you know we think of the state of the world now it is very relevant but thinking of the counter voice is not always united and one thing that you said there just made me think and i don't know whether this is got anything to do with it but it's interesting to think about you said the casting was Sasha Baron Cohen and you said how um the idea of free speech and the the casting along with the characters kind of blurred into that I mean what does Sasha Baron Cohen do in his own films he is playing exactly with the idea of free speech and what you're allowed to do and say to people but he's just doing it through comedy obviously he's this film is totally different to that but just the fact that you've got him in it playing this counterculture revolutionary uh hippie is kind of like if you know anything about Sasha Baron Cohen that just kind of adds to it in your head like this is a bit I don't know if it's really clever or it's by coincidence but I think that piles onto that kind of anti-establishment um not even anti-establishment because I think by putting it that way you think it's got no point but clever and you see by the end of it Sasha Baron Cohen's character isn't just this kind of wild hippie he gets portrayed at the beginning because he talks about how he's read the literature he understands it and he's very well spoken when he gets put on uh in the witness stand and i think there's something there with the characters and the acting which goes beyond just this was a good performance i think there was something a bit clever done there to make sure these characters delivered a window into their movements which therefore then allowed you to understand the themes of it and made the film make sense as a whole so i think the characters for me pinned this whole thing together i think it's um it's quite a salient point really the 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 thing you mentioned about sasha baron cohen because when he's telling the story, it keeps flicking back to him. He's at a, a stand-up gig. Um, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. and and that's uh, that sort of adds to the uh, it frames the narrative, I think, um, and that I think helps the um, the, the there's no it's no coincidence that Sasha Baron Cohen has been cast in that role because sure, the way he does sure. his stand-up and stuff is a in, in many ways a an allusion to his, his his other work. Um I think I also so, think yeah. I also think the um the idea of intellectualism that what you said about Sasha Baron Cohen, his character, he understands that he's not just a sort of um you know, L S D taking mm-hmm. uh hippie. There's um there's the, there's an intellectual uh, element to the cultural revolution, certainly. That's the way Sorkin presents it. I mean, when they're walking down the street you've got Alan Ginsburg, um uh, who on the microphone and people um, accuse him of doing war chants, but he's just humming through a microphone, yeah, 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 um, yeah. which I think is is really really funny. Um, and just from a yeah. filmmaking point of view, just to pick up what you said there, like I've not mentioned this fully yet, but I think it's put together really well how it flicks between the scenes at the riot, but then also, like you said, that kind of stand up comedy and also the individual characters kind of preparing their uh, movements and things like that and also when the uh, prosecution are speaking to witnesses and they're giving testimony it flicks between what actually happened and there's always a slight tweak there um, between the reality and what's being put together the argument put together and I just think from a quick point there the filmmaking is good how it does dance between those things I know I said at the beginning it's mainly about the courtroom drama but those subtleties there I think are very good at emphasizing the arguments that are put forward in the courtroom 
Mm, no, I agree absolutely. The um, the one thing that Sorkin also does with it is that he, he intellectualizes the um, the the civil rights movement itself um, in lots of different ways. Like yeah. historically, um, and uh, Tom Hay, Eddie Redmayne's character, Tom Hayden, kind of refer, sort of um, alludes to this when he talks about how will you be remembered? You'll be remembered as this sort of unorganized, anti-establishment, hippie person that doesn't know anything. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, historically, that is, in some texts at least, that's how the Cultural Revolution has been portrayed. But then, as it's been revisited, um, it's the the message of it has changed. And I think that's Sorkin's uh, way of saying, oh, that this is my uh, opinion on the Cultural Revolution. Sure. Um, yeah. Well... I think we've covered nicely about the film there in the terms of characters and what actually happened in it. Let's just really dig into To See Us Home now, the stuff that we've um, danced around and touched upon at those wider themes of the historical context of it. In terms of the um, anti-Vietnam movement, the counterculture movement that we have mentioned, how well do you think the film does in actually capturing that and do you think it does act well as a kind of historical source in a way does it capture that or is it for you got more of the kind of entertainment value than anything i think um the one thing it just captures really well is the uh the police violence that that characterized the civil rights movement um it's very damning of um the chicago police department um the way the police officers are portrayed i think is is um historically Certainly, historically accurate in their, their sort of in their mistreatment and their treat their conduct during protests, um, the use of tear gas, particularly when officers remove their badges and their shields, um, so they can yeah. actively commit crimes. That was it's been widely documented that that um, happened. There's a whole host of uh, civil rights photography that has captured um, the corruption. Uh, that, that existed in the police in uh, during the civil rights movement. So it certainly highlights the the police violence aspect of the whole affair, certainly. Um, I don't actually know that much historically about the actual trial itself, um, but for me, one thing that the, the, the film does do really effectively is that it, it blends all the different faces of the civil rights movement together sure. um, quite nicely. Um, and certainly it... There's there's lots and lots of references to uh, wider movements that's going on. Like I said, like the Beat Movement, for example, with Allen Ginsberg in the protests and um, uh, the mistreatment of, of, of the police treatment of of certain um, individuals. Also, the um, the embedding of police officers, undercover police officers, and federal agents into protests um, was a policy pursued by the Justice Department um, at the time as well. So historically speaking. Um, it is it's um, it is spot on to my knowledge. Although I'm always very cautious of saying, um, "Oh, it's not historically accurate," therefore um, the, the 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 integrity of the film should be discounted. I'm very very cautious yeah. of going down that argument because sometimes if something isn't historically accurate, you got to you got to take a step back and say, "Well, what's the purpose of the film itself?" Um, mm-hmm. For me, the purpose of the film was to tell a story about a historical event um, through a particular lens. And the lens that Sorkin has chosen chosen to to go down is that the actions of the 
US uh, government were abhorrent, basically. And rightly mm-hmm. so, and rightly so. Um, but I'm always cautious of going down that route of saying, oh, it's not historically accurate, therefore it's its power of its of storytelling should, shouldn't be taken seriously. But um, for me, I think that's a, an argument that isn't necessarily needed in this instance just because the, elo- the how eloquent the story's told and the the drama and the it's emotionally charged i mean obviously like that uh trial and that historical content um has an emotion behind it that is quite difficult to, to portray um and i think uh blending those characters together in the way that sorkin has done creates an emotion particularly when um at the end of the film, when Eddie Redmayne reads out the all the uh, Vietnam uh, soldiers that have died yes. yeah, in yeah. the war, um, that's a very poignant point because it's it, that grounds that that grounds the film in the sense that this trial was initially started off by protesting against the Vietnam War. It then morphed and developed into something far more political. Um, which it, you know, all trials do. I mean, there's a whole thing running through it. Like this trial isn't a political trial, and Abby Hoffman says it on numerous occasions it absolutely is a political trial. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, let's not forget why we're here in the first place. We're protesting against the Vietnam War, um, and that the reading of all those names, particularly the amount of young men that died, like age nineteen, age twenty, it is a really, really poignant um, sort of bookend to the film. I think. Um, yeah. There's an interesting article that I read in The Guardian, a review about it, um, by uh, a writer called Peter Bradshaw, and he talks about how um, it's uh, the actual um, writing of the film is problematic in the sense that Seal is kept in a peripheral role, uh, concentrating on how upset, and I quote, the verbose white liberals are at his treatment. And I think that's a little bit harsh, um, given the fact that at the time, like, it's just retelling who was at the trial, basically. I think to sort of go down that sort of white liberal route of saying, oh, we white people feel very sorry for the treatment of, of Bobby Seal is, um, I think it's a little bit critical given the fact that just to be, to be horrified at the treatment of, of African-Americans doesn't necessarily make you um, this sort of verbose white liberal. Um, you know, yeah. so I think... To bring to bring it all together, gone on a bit here. Um, it's uh, I can't even remember what my point was. To be honest, <laughs> I was just talking about the film. Um, I think you made various various points. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for me, for me, the the film is um, it's an emotionally charged piece, and I think by blending all those different faces of the civil rights movement together, it really does um, emphasize the uh, the tensions that existed within the civil rights movement, and I think. Um, historically that's what i was talking about historical accuracy that was it um from a historical accuracy perspective i don't think um it does anything wrong basically what i was going to say about the history in terms of and yeah i get you i don't think it is in that point i mean like i said i don't know too much about the history and that but what i feel about it is that it is a history-led film in the sense that the filmmaker wants to tell the story of that film, not necessarily create entertainment. And I think a lot of it at times is heavily loaded with that. They want you to know what the topic is, what the point is. And that's what I love about it. And that's why I think it does 
sometimes sacrifice the filmmaking element of being too extravagant because it does focus on that and I respect that and think that's great. It's by no means the dense history book that Peter Lou was for anyone who's watched that. Wow, that's a history book on film for two and a half hours. Heavy, heavy watching. But I feel it touches on that now and again in the sense that it is very keen to represent the history and that's what the film is led by. But I like that and I think it does it well. Anyway, Callum, we've run out of time here, but I want to ask one question on this before we wrap up with a quite quick answer, but I just want to know your opinion on it. But why has this film been made now in the in this climate, in this world we live over the last couple of years? Um, well, it was originally supposed to be released um, 10 years ago, I believe. Um, okay. Steven Spielberg was supposed to um, uh, write it, uh, produce it and, and, and write it, I think. Um, but there was a strike at the Writers Guild and it was put on hold. And then it was um, Sorkin then released. It was supposed to be released in cinemas. It was released uh, for a, a bit and then um, COVID hit. And then Netflix basically bought it and said, right, we're going to release it now. So I think on the one hand, it was a uh, logistical um, element. COVID prevented, prevented its initial, initial release. That's the boring answer. But on the other hand... It is absolutely speaking to the current political climate. Um, And, you know, given the events that have happened over the last 48 hours with Biden being elected, the president, thank God the orange menace is is, uh, no longer president. But, however, given the... For another day. day. It it absolutely is. Yeah, absolutely is. But given the the political uh, and sociological um, context of what's going on in the world, particularly in the US, with police shootings, police violence, um, a, you know, the rebirth of the Black Lives Matter movement in particular. Um, it's certainly a film that's part of the zeitgeist, I think. Yeah, it's, I think it's a very apt message to share and to show that, look, 50 years ago, this same issue was still alive, thriving in a way that it is now. Exactly. In many exactly. ways, things haven't changed all that much. Okay, Callum, we are going to have to wrap up very soon now but what we want is the classic quick overview of what you thought of the film one highlight of it that you might not have mentioned yet and then mark out of 10 hit me um i think the hmm my favorite scene favorite scene i really liked the um the speech there's, there's, there's several of them but i really liked the speech scenes when they were on the um the in the in green I think it's Green Park I think in Chicago, um and they're talking about um what it means to protest and why this movement matters. I think they're quite powerful pieces in the film because it it reminds the viewer what the film's about. It's not just about this courtroom drama. It's actually about um the historical uh the the anti Vietnam protesters uh, protests and it's about the civil rights movement generally those speeches remind the viewer exactly what it's about um those are my standout films standout films standout scenes of the film should i say um in terms of you know summing up the message of the film it's certainly a it's a film for our, for the zeitgeist definitely um it blends all those different faces of the civil rights civil rights movement together really really well um and i think by blending all those uh, different faces together it hammers home the point that the path towards equality and the path towards justice isn't the work of just one person. 
it's the sure. work of a it's the work of a collective um it's about bringing people from different intellectual backgrounds different uh, races different political backgrounds together and actually realizing that let's fight for something that we have in common basically it's not the work of one person it's the work of a of a movement basically um and i think the film's quite good at uh, suggesting that nice out of 10 um i'd give it eight um the only reason why is because i thought it was just a little bit too long yeah um, well, what it could, two hours 10 was it yeah it was it yeah, was yeah. it was just a little bit too long and i think by the point where the final trial and the, there's still about 20 minutes left the final sort of day of the trial and there's still about 20 minutes left of the film i was like yeah we've we, we we get the point we know what's going to happen here um i think yeah it could have just been about 15 minutes shorter i think cool. um but apart from that everything else was brilliant about it well thank you very much callum i'll give you a quick overview of what i thought like i said i felt like it was very historically led and the filmmaker wanted to definitely share the message depict what had happened in detail and give a window into all these different movements that did come together in many ways through these big characters that were played by some big name actors a scene that i've not mentioned yet which i thought was really good and relevant to it was where the leader of the non-violent movement punches one of the guards in oh, the yeah. uh, court because what that shows is a guy who advocates non-violence all the way through it snapping under the pressure of the establishment and them from um, disrupting and stopping them from having a solid case and a proper trial in the form of the judge and actually turning to violence the very thing that is against which parallels exactly the argument they're putting across in the wider thing of the the whole movement and the police saying that okay, they started it, they were going to incite it. Well, the argument is, no, they weren't, but the police and the state pushed them so hard that they eventually snapped under the weight of the pressure from the state and it led to violence, not they were bringing it on. And I think that one little bit of this one character punching someone and snapping from his non-violent ways represents that and shows it in a very microcosm what the whole film is talking about. I think it does deliver the historical message well and shows um, the scenario and the themes going on. I think that's great, especially for someone who's interested in that period of history. I loved that element of it, but I still think that message is very powerful today. Um, and like I said, I loved the dialogue and how that was delivered, like very well written and put across well. I'm going to give it an eight as well. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier is that great film, done well, but it was very much a formulaic film in the sense of great material great production great film but there was just nothing to test or push me in the sense of filmmaking or as a film it was just well done on a, a topic that was very interesting so to make it a higher ranking in my eyes it would have to be a, something of a more of a film experience whereas this was just a great visual and informative and great in that sense so 8 out of 10 for me I agree with you there Callum but a fantastic film and I would definitely watch it again informative and I'm intrigued to see Sasha Baron Cohen in some more serious roles like that anyway that wraps us up nice. thank you once again Callum for having a little chat with me on that one um, is there anything else that you've been uh, watching recently that you might just throw out some recommendations quickly for um 
I don't know what I've been watching recently. I started watching a, a series called The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which is the first oh, two okay. episodes. Fantastic so far. Looks like it's going to be an absolute belter. So I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on that if you get the chance to watch it soon. I do I do want to get back into The Crown, if I'm honest. Um, okay. Which, it's a new um, series sounds, soon, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. Um, and it's not, it's not just because Gillian Anderson is playing Margaret Thatcher that I want to see it. It's just because of that. It's um, I started watching series one. And on paper, The Crown is probably everything that I despise on paper. Oh, a, f- a series about the royal family. Good yeah. Lord. But it's not necessarily about the royal family per se. It's more about the political implications of being a member of the royal family. It's actually... Mm-hmm. And the script is actually really, really good. So I might delve back into that. Um, yeah, I've never seen it, but I like the sound of it. I'm intrigued. I'm, I think I would enjoy it. So that might be something to dive into over the next few months. Hmm. Anyway, there's loads to it, and I'm sure if there's any more great recommendations, we'll get them out to everybody to check them out. But once again, thank you, Callum. I thoroughly enjoyed that, and thank you for putting that one forward to watch. We will have a little look at what else is out there, maybe dive back to a classic, maybe watch a new release. But one thing we can guarantee is that there'll be plenty more film reviews coming your way from myself and Callum, and who knows, maybe some other guests along the way. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the chat, Callum. No worries. And once again, thank you from the Glace Film Club. Keep watching films. We all love them. Keep chatting about them because we will. We're not stopping anytime soon. Tune in again for the next episode where we'll have plenty more film-related chat for you. Bye-bye.